The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome to the Pride of Detroit a post-game show. Let's call this a post-game show because uh, we're not going to be too long on this one. Uh, I'm Chris Perfett, the adequate host at Chris Perfett on Twitter. Jeremy Reisman, the fearless leader at Detroit Online. Ryan Matthews, the rock god at Ryan underscore P-O-D. We have a longer preview P-O-D cast coming for Rams Lions later this week. So we're going to make this a quick recap of Vikings. We're going to talk about the big storylines from this game and talk about the fact that the 2023 season is over. The Detroit Lions are 12 and 5. And I just realized I might have written that wrong in the YouTube description again because I keep thinking there's 16 games adequate. Uh and setting franchise records for touchdowns, everything else. Jeremy, this game feels This game felt like the cap to a very special season. I know everyone's got their eyes in the playoffs. You won't be able to stop that, especially with, oh, God, you know who coming to town. But I just want to take a minute and and sit here and say the Lions really won 12 games in the third year of Dan Campbell. They, They won 12 games. Probably should have won 13. But we sit here and look at this and it's just. It's amazing to see how far this team has come. And I feel like we should appreciate that before anything else. Yeah, it's a good point. Um, it's I think this is a good time to reflect a little bit. Um, the, it is the end of the season. The Lions did just tie a franchise record for wins in a season with 12. It's only the second time they've ever done that. And, and yeah, for Dan Campbell to do that, to win a division title for the first time in 30 years, to get a home playoff game for the first time in 30 years. Um it, it it's important to sit down and, and and reflect on that and and celebrate that and enjoy where what this team has already accomplished so far and and I'm not saying what happens next doesn't matter but at the same time realize that this has been a special season no matter what does happen in the postseason because postseason can be cruel man um, postseason can be awesome we we don't know what's ahead um, but in a single elimination playoff format. Um, I don't think it's ever fair to judge an entire season by one game or one outcome. Uh, truth of the matter is this was a largely successful this. I mean, this was just about as successful as a regular season as, as you could have, um, realistically imagined. And, um, it's nice to cap it off with a win, even if, uh, you know, for the second straight year, the Lions have knocked out a division rival in the, in week 18 of, of the playoffs or week 18 of the season. So that's kind of fun too. 
it came to Ryan on some really wild gunslinging from Nick Mullins. Uh, Lions weathered that a lot, but you know, Jared Goff played out of very well in this game. Amon Ross St. Brown still snubbed of a Pro Bowl in spite of 1,500 yards passing. Like, I, I understand there's names in front of him for the Pro Bowl, but the stats alone should indicate, like, this this was an absolute snub. He used that to his advantage. He gets a touchdown, 144 more yards on the day. And Detroit, with a couple of exceptions, looks primed ready for the postseason. We got a taste again of CJ Gardner Johnson and you know, the weaknesses remain the weaknesses, the Detroit lions, but here we are. It's that time of year, man. Yeah. Uncharted territory for a lot of us in terms of it, you know, the the last playoff appearance really felt dead in the water because of Stafford's, uh, you know, finger injury uh, back in 2016. So it's just been a while since the lions have been, a good football team and in the playoffs. They're favored, Ryan. They're favored in a playoff game. Three and a half feels like a bit of bait, though. I, I, I see that hook and I'm like, I know what you're doing. I know what you're doing, Vegas. Yeah, well, it started at five and now it's down to three and a half. So that's not <laughs> not a great sign. But um, here's here's what I think I, I want to say about this season. Um, the Lions won as many games this season as they did in the first two years under Dan Campbell. Um that's a pretty impressive thing to do. And and I think that's something that honestly, I know some of us maybe got our preseason predictions right on the nose. Um, but I do know that 12 wins back in 2021, three years into this thing, probably felt like lofty expectations. You're talking about a, a team in 2021 who, you know, I, I, just out of fun, I was going back and I was looking at some of the coaching hires in 2021 and, and some of the report cards from, you know, the, the, the hiring cycle. And it was Urban Meyer getting a B plus, um, you know, it was, uh, you know, it was uh, the, the, the same off season that David Culley got hired by the, the Houston Texans. And they thought, well, maybe, maybe that might, you know, that might work out. Uh, Brandon Staley was the best hire, according to everybody. And, you know, the Lions, they stuck to their plan and their process and they got their guy. And Dan Campbell has been a big reason as to why the Lions have 12 wins. But to Chris's point, too. I'm on Ross St. Brown is playing like a top five wide receiver in the NFL. You know, I even on that play where he scored that touchdown, it was it was a nice pass from. Jared Goff, right? I mean, Amon Ra was wide open on the sideline, but in true Amon Ra St. Brown fashion, it was, you know, like 35 air yards to St. Brown. And then it was another 35 to get in the end zone. But I think Amon Ra probably ran 60 to get there. Um, and, and, and I think that that play was so emblematic too, because of something that Eric had mentioned in his article about Josh Reynolds in the end of the game. Josh Reynolds is the one who tackles Amon Ra St. Brown into the end zone. <laughs> to push him over. So like, I think that play is so emblematic as we put a cap on this regular season as this is a group of guys who just really play for one another. And that's something that Dan Campbell has, you know, instilled in all of these guys playing for the guy next to you accountability. And it's clear that the lions are doing that and they're going to have to do it as they head into the postseason now. I think nothing is more emblematic of that for me in this game, in the final minutes, Jeremy, watching them and knowing they've got to like cap this thing off and yet taking that risk regardless to make sure Josh Reynolds 
got his extra $250,000 on the nine yards he needed. And damn, if they weren't trying to get him another touchdown for another two, 250 K on top of that in this game as well. Like this, this team was taking care of its people standing by everyone, like everyone's part of this team. And that was, that was really cool to see on, on top of everything else on top of CJ Gardner, Johnson coming back and like, look, Mullins air mailed him the pick, but for him to come back and get the pick was, was very cool for Cam Sutton to grab a pick with how much he's been asked to stay on some of these receivers. Like this is, this feels like a team that is, that is maybe not peaking at the right time, but at the very least its spirit is in the right place at the right time. Yeah. And it's interesting because they didn't look great today. I'm going to be completely honest. The Lions did not play a superb game. They didn't play their best game and they still won by two scores against a team that absolutely needed a win. And so let's underscore that first, but it was an odd day. Like obviously what wasn't odd was Nick Mullins almost throwing for 400 yards again. We, that, I mean, we've just grown accustomed to that. That is going to be obviously a, a, a huge concern going forward, going up against another gunslinger next week uh, with uh, better receivers, arguably, and, and certainly a better quarterback. Um, but the lines didn't stop the run particularly well. The, ran, the, the Vikings ran for 4-0 a carry, almost 100 yards. The Lions didn't run the ball very well. They ran for 70 yards, only 3.0 a carry. And that's just, that's weird. I don't, I don't know if it means anything. I don't know if this is the start of a downward trend or anything like that, but that was out of character for the Lions. And the one thing I will say in the positive, though, is that the disruptive plays are still there defensively. And that's what won them the game, essentially, in my opinion. You know, they threw the ball very well. Jared Goff had, I think, maybe one of the best games he's had all season. He was doing a good job avoiding sacks, throwing on the run, um, finished the day with 320 yards and, and 124 passer rating. Um, but the disruptive plays, four sacks on the day, two interceptions. Um, you know, the, the Lions let the Vikings rack up a bunch of yardage, but they were pretty good in the red zone, too. All of their scores, it seemed like, came from a very long distance away, which is a problem problem in its of its own in it of its own. But at the same time, I think part of the Lions' game plan in this game seemed to be, we dare you to drive eighty yards on us because it, we bet at some point we're going to sack you and put you behind the sticks, or we're going to intercept you. And that's that's essentially what ended up happening. So it wasn't the prettiest of games. It wasn't the Lions at their best, but they got the job done and they got it. Kind of, I mean, they, they they were in the driver's seat the entire game, so hard to complain. Yeah. Before we move on to who is waiting and the aforementioned gunslinger, I do think, Ryan, there is a narrative that, um, I don't know, I don't know if you can feel it, like I feel it coming on the winds that people are already trying to fire up, but injuries did become a concern in this game because we did see Sam Laporta who had to be carted off, went to the blue medical tent. Uh, we find out later he hyperextended his knee. Am I uh, sorry? Uh, sorry, yep. Jeremy. I'm, yep. I'm displaced that. And Khalif Raymond, who I don't think we've had any update on, who uh, was immediately downgraded to out. But two, two injuries to the Lions offense in this game, which I don't know. Like you, you listen to Dan Campbell. He talks about. You know, every every time he says a prayer, when the guys go out there like it's football, guys are going to get hurt. But it has stirred up a particular narrative about whether or not this game was worth the Lions to be playing their starters rather than resting them, which I mean, I, I know the Rams kind of did 
uh, they were still playing some of their guys like Puka Nakua was trying to get the rookie uh, receiving yards record and everything. But this, this has become a talking point. I have my own thoughts on it, but I'm curious, Ryan, like what you take of it, because obviously if your goal was the number two seed, you would have wait to see what happens with Eagles and with Cowboys. But I think some would are trying to argue in hindsight, I must add that actually that's not really that good enough of a prize. You should have probably sat a, sat a bunch of people. So this wouldn't have happened. So I, I just, what, what's your response to that kind of that, that this discussion that is going to happen this week between uh, whether or not the Lions should have rested guys and maybe avoided a Sam Laporta injury. Yeah, I think Jeremy and I talked about this on first bite, but um, essentially to me, what it boils down to is there's only so many players on a football team on an active day roster and you can't rest everybody. And is it super unfortunate that Sam suffered the injury he did? Absolutely. It sucks. Um, there's no two ways around it, but it's football. And I, I, I think, I think my, my big, my big annoyance was when Khalif got hurt and everybody was like, when is this going to stop? Like Khalif was a guy who would have probably played more steps if, if you would have been resting guys like I'm on Ross St. Brown. Right. And again, JMO's already out. He was an inactive today. So you're already down one wide receiver. It, it it seems like maybe a bit of a fool's errand to again. And Jeremy and I kind of talked about this on first bite, but like you have some starters, but then you have not all the starters. So what Jared Goff would be out there and maybe you're cherry picking. Cause I mean, God forbid, what if something would have happened to one of the offensive linemen, right? Like, right. but you can't mess with that chemistry. You're not going to just like sit your two guards or you're going to give Taylor Decker and, and Frank Ragnow some, you know, special treat. You know what I mean? Like everybody's banged up. Everybody's body hurts. Everybody wants, you know, everybody wants some time off and, and to take a rest, but the Lions still had the two seed to play for today. When, when today started, the two seed was still on the table. When the Lions finished their game, they put themselves in the best position to be uh, the two seed that they could. The commanders <laughs> blocked a punt or a field goal, I think, and 7-7, they picked off Dak, and like there was you know a chance there. Philadelphia, I, my goodness. I mean, well wishes to you for betting on Matt Patricia, but you know, like there were a lot of things that obviously didn't end up falling the Lions' way. but. When the game was being played, the two seed was still on the table and you can't rest everybody, even the tight end, Jeremy. Yeah. Brock Wright's out with a hip injury. You have James Mitchell. Who's your next tight end? Yeah. James Mitchell's going to play 100 percent of the snaps. Cabinda. Like, are you going to put Rodrigo out there at tight end? You going to teach him a new position like I, I apparently Dan Skipper can maybe moonlight as tight end as well. But um, I, I think I think to the crowd that was upset with the management in terms of injuries and, and how the Lions handled week 18, there's going to be a lot of Monday morning quarterbacking. And, and that's the unfortunate thing, because, Jeremy, I don't think that there is any two ways around not playing somebody like Brian Branch, who suffered a wrist right. injury. And then then you're down to Will Harris. You, you are. Are you giving your team the best chance possible to to play for that two seed if you have Will Harris in there instead of Brian Branch? And and these two guys are rookies, right, Jeremy? Like, yeah, yeah Sam Laporta has played at an all pro level. Brian Branch has played really freaking good. But like you want to keep getting those guys reps. If there are players that I would be worried about going into wildcard weekend in terms of taking a week off, it it might be some of those rookies where like you need as many snaps and reps as possible yeah. to stay sharp and to improve. Yeah, you wouldn't be resting rookies when you're resting starters for a lot of cases. It just, yeah, sorry. Yeah, on, I on. mean, I, 
I don't know. I, listen, I, I, I think I was on record. I don't remember if it was on podcast or off podcast that I, I kind of did hope the lines were going to rest some guys. And the thing is, those guys were like the top tier guys, like maybe Aiden Hutchinson, maybe Jared Goff, maybe I'm on Ross St. Brown. Like it, it, it can only be three or four guys. And even if you do something like that, you are you are risking making yourself look like a moron, right? Where you, you rest Jared Goff. Teddy Bridgewater can't lead the offense and suddenly, oh no, the commanders actually won. I'm an idiot. I just blew a, a chance at a second playoff game. You, I mean, that to me is a more idiotic look than we played a football game and one of our players got hurt. I would have played it more. Point. That's I would, a great point. Yeah. I would have yeah. played it more conservatively because basically every single game played out is like I expected. I think I even said like, I expect the commanders to hold with the Cowboys for the first half, then get blown the crap out of the water in the second half. And that's exactly what happened. I didn't think any of that was really, really possible of it happening, but I get it. I'm, I'm, this To me, this was not an easy decision. That's the thing. Like the people who people like me who said maybe rest some guys, they're acting like an easy. it was an easy decision. It is not an easy decision. I don't think this was a black and white decision at all, but the Lions did what they could. And, and Dan Campbell even mentioned we tried to take a little bit off of Sam Laporta's plate. We, we made Dan Skipper eligible like. 20 times in this game. And, and the crowd loved that, by the way. Um, but part of the reason was that to take some off his shoulders. The reason Khalif Raymond was in the game was because once Amon Ra was starting to get banged up, they wanted to take him out a little bit. And so the lines are, are kind of do, meeting you halfway here in this game. And it just didn't work out their way. Now it, it, I mean, the lines did put themselves in a little bit of a tight situation at tight end by cutting Anthony Ferkser and then bringing him back. I mean, you could have, kept Anthony Ferks, you could have raised him from the practice squad and maybe given yourself another option in, in, in case for Sam Laporta. But at the same time, I agree with you. You want to get some of these guys as much reps as they can. Not that necessarily Sam Laporta needs it. Like he's balling out anyways, but it generally speaking, it doesn't hurt this time. It did hurt. It sucks. You're probably going to miss Laporta for a game or two. And it is what it is. The lines offense isn't dead now, right? There, there's still other players that they can go to. He's, he's a key player on third down. I'm not going to act like it, it won't hurt, but I'm going to be honest. James Mitchell didn't look half bad in this game either. And so I'm part of me is kind of excited to see what he can do now. I, I have the same opinion as Jeremy in that I, you would be kicking yourself if the Eagles and the Cowboys had both lost like there. And that would even look more, that would look more malfeasant at that point. You're like in to, to grow, uh, to quote a great philosopher, Ryan, you play to win the game. You go out there and you try to play to win the game. And ultimately, I, I think between this and the two-point conversion on seven-yard, all these little nitpicks we do, like it, it ignores two things. Number one, it's Dan Campbell at the end of the day. This is an aggressive guy who wants to play his guys, who wants to go out there and win football games, like no, no matter what. And I just think that it, it, it would feel a disservice to the entire team to rest a lot of guys like it would be understandable. But again, to Jeremy's point, it wouldn't be guys like Laporta. And to your point, they wouldn't be. It's not college. They only have 53 men and they have to dress 45 for the game itself. Um, like this, this isn't something where you can just say, all right, well, we'll just get some bodies out there and just throw a UFL developmental squad onto the field. Like, no, it, it doesn't work like that. I think this team in particular is so gets so fired up sometimes that it's good to have the the 
Jeremy, cover your ears. Momentum in their play going into the postseason, not momentum in the way that Jeremy hates, but like a pitcher staying in rhythm, like the rhythm of playing the game. This is a young squad, which means for youth, you don't like you don't want to be sitting on your heels. You want to keep playing like that. I it it gets frustrating because it feels like this has been a theme all throughout the Lions season that each week there's a small little nitpick we do and it just up against everything we started it with the lions are 12 and five. It just always feels like we're still looking for the thing that we're just unpleasant about this injury could have happened at any time. It could have happened at practice it could happen against the Cowboys last week, but because it happens here, suddenly it's supposed to have a special significance and, and represent some sort of miss uh, malpractice on the part of, of the coaching staff by not resting guys. I don't buy that. I just don't. It, I, you, you, you want to win this game because, you know, Dallas is a crap team on the road and and the Eagles are are particularly broken. Give ball. yourself the yeah. chance. I, th- I think Lions fans and, and I'm definitely including myself in this are used to losses and Pyrrhic vis- victories and nothing in between. Sure. Like, yeah. Yeah. And so the, the default when they win is like, OK, we won. But this happened. And, and listen, like this is a big but like this is. Uh, this is, this is bad. Um, Jared Goff was asked, like, how do you replace Sam Laporta now? And he says, you don't, we've had a full season to build on this rapport that we've had and they've had it since training camp. And so yes, James Mitchell is going to get some opportunities and maybe he shows up that he's good, but he's not going to have the same rapport of Sam Laporta. But at the same time, like I said, it's not like the offense is done. They've got a ton of other weapons out there. They're going to come with they're, they're going to have a full week to prepare now, right? They're going to have a whole game plan to to figure out what they want to do. Maybe they even get Brock right back this week. That helps in terms of blocking. And so it's not like the sky has fallen. But, yeah, it is a little bit of a damper on on what should have been a very celebratory day. I'll also say on the two seed, because I, I mean, this is this is not towards the team itself, but like there were a lot of fans that say, oh, we don't want it. We should avoid playing the Rams. We don't I don't want to play the Rams. I want to play someone else. OK, then your way out of that was playing for the two seed. True. It could have been on the table yeah. for that. There was also. The, thing, the, yeah, Sorry, Ryan, go on. So Sorry, the, the one thing I wanted to mention about losing Sam Laporta is um, are we also quick to forget that this team traded TJ Hawkinson? Uh, and then over a two and a half month span, prove that they Good can point. scheme tight ends open like Brock Wright and 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 the like. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, I'm just saying, like, I think I'm, we can I'm trust not, Ben Johnson I'm, on that. Yeah, I'm not saying tight end wins, but Lions went eight and two over that stretch with with Brock Wright as their tight end one. So and, and, and the other thing, too, is Jeremy mentioning Jared Goff's game today. Have any of us seen him make a throw that he made to James Mitchell, who kudos to James Mitchell, too, because that catch radius going up there and and, and snagging that with his fingertips. But Jared Goff against the grain across his body, throwing back to James Mitchell and and completing that. Like, I I think that there's losing Sam is huge. There's there's no if ands or buts about it, because even on Gibbs's touchdown run, like you see how good Laporta has been in facets of the game outside of just catching the football. I think that's where they're going to miss Laporta more than they're going to miss him in any way that they probably could in the receiving game. Cause I think that there's enough that they can do outside of that. They have a 1500 yard receiver, Chris, I know 10 touchdown passes we and 19 forget- balls. We've so kind of like- forgotten about him behind Laporta too. 
I like th- 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 there's St. Brown, there's Gibbs, there's Montgomery, there's JMO if he comes Who back. Just healthy, got some time to rest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that there's enough to keep the ship afloat. Hopefully it's a case where the Lions can pull off something they haven't done in over 30 years and give him an extra week. And then maybe you're talking about Sam coming back. Let's take a quick break. Uh, The Pride of Detroit podcast is brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. It's the jerky that fuels our Detroit Lions because we're in a hurry. We're not going to pussyfoot around with the read this time. Uh, Righteous Felon Jerky and Meat Sticks are available to Lions players at the training facilities at Allen Park. Each two ounce bag of jerky has 16 to 20 grams of protein. Each stick has eight grams because trust me, if it's good enough for the Lions, it could be good enough for you too. Righteous Felons is based in Westchester, Pennsylvania. They use all natural black Angus beef, locally sourced, superior quality, revolutionary branding, unique flavors that go beyond the stereotypical jerky offering. RighteousFelon.com. Use our promo code POD15 at checkout. Gets you 15% off your order. We just started 2024. So did the Lions. They started off strong with a dub. And guess what that means? More meat. More meat. Fuel, fuel the meat. Fuel the meat. Get ready for the playoffs with meat. RighteousFelons.com. POD 15. We'll be right back on the Pride of Detroit POD cast post game. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Pride of Detroit POD cast post game show coming to you in the night after the Minnesota Vikings defeat at the hands of the Detroit Lions as they move to 12 and 5 and prepare for the ghosts of lions past. I don't know if there is a better exorcism we could have Jeremy than this. The first playoff game under Dan Campbell's career. And he has to host the team that traded them. Jared Goff. That's the big story in there. Nothing else. No other big story than Jared Goff facing off against his former team and his former coach. Um, They are spearheaded by someone here. And uh, I'm sorry, I've got, I've got the depth chart here. Let me make sure I get this name, right? Quarterbacking for the Los Angeles Rams is someone named Matthew Stafford. 
Shouldn't be a problem. I think it's pronounced Stanford. Excuse me. That's right. Yeah. I, I looked up his PFR page. His first name's actually John. <laughs> John Matthew Stafford, Stanford. <laughs> no, it's Matt. It's Matthew Stafford. I don't think we need to say anything else about that. Like the storyline has written itself here. I mean, the Jared Goff, uh, Sean McVay thing will be a storyline too. Absolutely. But I think for Lions fans, the first thing they see before Puka Nakua, who has had a fantastic rookie year, before Cooper Cup, who has been wonderful for so long, before Kyron Williams' massive career, before any other piece of the Los Angeles Rams, the first thing they see is Matthew Stafford's name under center for L.A. I know this is hard for Jeremy. It's just, I don't know. I it, It's weird. I, I get it. I get that it's poetic. I get that media people are, are drooling and, and, and chomping at the bit to just talk about this game. And I don't know. I, there, there is going to be a little bit of mixed emotions for me. I mean, it's, it's not a question of who I'm rooting for or anything, but like Matthew Stafford was my favorite player on this team for the past you know, 12, 12 years when, when he was here. And so it, it's going to be weird. It's, it's going to be frustrating because I know he's going to have a good game against the lions. Um, but I hope, uh, I hope the lions can make his day a little bit worse in the end because man, it's, uh, it's weird. I, I, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything poetic to say about this. It's we we've been, I feel like we've been zeroing in on this matchup for the past month and a half. Like, once it when it became clear that the Rams were starting to figure things out in like week 11, week 12, it was like, uh oh, they're going to make the playoffs because there's no one else in the NFC that's playing good football right now. And if they're making the playoffs, there's a good chance there could be this crazy reunion. And I don't I don't really want to talk about all the Matthew Stafford and Jared Goff stuff. I want to talk about the matchup because the matchup to me is fascinating. It's not necessarily good, but it's fascinating. This I mean, this Rams team has been balling since week 11. They're. Uh, they're eighth in DVOA. They're the number four passing offense. They're the number four overall offense. Defensively, they got a lot of issues. But considering this Lions team has continued to struggle against the pass really over the past month, two, three months, whatever you, I mean, however long you want to say, Stafford's going to get his. And I think we're in for another shootout here. And the Lions have won plenty of shootouts. They've lost a couple here and there too, but giddy up like this is going to be a crazy exciting game and it's not going to be easy for Detroit it's probably not going to be easy for LA either so listen take take your blood thinners call your doctor right now and get get an extra dose of, of blood thinners because it's going to be stressful not medical Saturday advice. or Sunday or Monday not, yeah, we're not, not doctors medical we're not advice. doctors please don't follow that advice <laughs> uh, Ryan this this does have all the makings of a shootout in it and I think all the focus will rightly be so on both of these teams offenses is that where you go or do you give any kind of, do you look at you know Detroit's pass rush and their ball hawking for interceptions and see any kind of edge here is there any worry about picking up the Rams defense what, what do you see looking at this first blush I, I truly think that this game is going to be decided by how how disruptive the Lions can be up front. If the Lions can put pressure on Stafford, and it's not as easy as saying, oh, just send six guys. Matthew Stafford will tear any defense apart, right? Like when 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 Matthew Stafford can ID things, and we've seen Stafford play for so long, 
we know that he can tear up a, a, a blitz like real easy. It's about being able to get pressure with four or five guys. And if you can get pressure with four or five guys, that's a problem because if there's anything that this year has taught us about the Lions defense is that they can make life really hard for guys who are pocket passers. Matthew Stafford's a pocket passer at this point in his career. He's not a guy who's really going to escape or, or run around a whole lot. And if no he more is, wheels Stafford, no more wheels Stafford, you say? Yeah, I think I think we're a little bit past that. Um, but again, I, it, it's much easier said than done, um, because like I said, it's not as simple as, oh, you know, a few weeks ago when the Lions played the Broncos and it was, oh, just blitz the hell out of Russell Wilson and it'll it'll rattle him. It's not the same. Matthew Stafford's you know, 10 times the passer that Russell Wilson is. Um, and I don't think that's hyperbole by any means, um, especially at this point in their careers and 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 what Stafford um, is doing. Like Jeremy said, since week 11, this offense has been just humming along. And this offense, ironically, kind of represents the offense that maybe was never put around Matthew Stafford when he was in Detroit because they have a running game. But again, maybe that's something that works in the Lions' favor. You know, they have a team that's built on defending the run first and foremost. And if the Lions can make the Rams a little bit more one-dimensional, I, I think, again, though, that it just comes down to whether or not the Lions can can generate pressure against Stafford. And, um, you know, if, if they do, if they do, you know, blitz and, and things like that, that it's going to be here and there. It's going to be picking your spots. It's not just like... You know what we've seen the the past couple of weeks with you know the Lions attacking Nick Mullins, right? I, I, they're they're not the same guy by any means. So, yeah. um, I, I think that if there's hope for this game, I think it comes from it being a shootout and the Lions' offense against the Rams' offense, and it'll probably come down to whoever makes the first mistake. Mm. It's it's interesting too because. The Lions have been able to make so many teams one-dimensional over the past, really the entire year. This is going to be a challenge to do that because Matthew Stafford, for the first time in his career, has a running game. Karen Williams is a pro bowler. Like, and and the and we just mentioned, like the Lions are not coming off a great run defensive performance. And so um that I mean, they have to do that. Like it it is non-negotiable. They need to be able to stop the run in this game. They need to be able to get into third and manageables or third and manageable for the defense, I guess, third and longs, essentially, um, to even have a shot at this game. Because if if Matthew Stafford has a run game and they start hitting play action on you guys, this this Lions team is going to be in a, in a world of hurt. Um, but I think it is worth pointing out as well, like there's some people in the chat saying it too, like during this Rams run where they've won seven out of the last eight games, here are the opponents, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, Browns, they I lost think that to was the Ravens still, in overtime. Was that was still that was Flacco playing? I think of that game. So yeah, it was. Yes, um, they lose to the the Ravens, Commanders, Saints, Giants, and 49ers with their backups. So they haven't had a ton of tests throughout this time. They they've played one team as good as the Lions over that time, and and also the Browns are pretty good. But they've also been spanking a lot of these teams. To be completely honest, so it's not going to be a cakewalk. But at the same time. This is a step up for competition for the Rams that they haven't seen a lot of in the past couple months. So the Lions are going to be a formidable team, formidable opponent for sure. I think it's it's fascinating in a lot of ways because I think at this point we have to admit Detroit has a very big home field advantage. That that is a, that is a home field that they own and it will be incredibly loud in the playoffs. On the flip side of it, 
the Los Angeles Rams have gone on the road several times and shown you that they can, they're, they're, they're fine playing on the road. Although granted to Jeremy's point, I think the only road games in that stretch was Cardinals giants and then 49ers, which I'm pretty sure that's the first time Jeremy, they have won in San Francisco in quite a few years. And again, mostly backups for both teams in, 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 in various things. I'll be curious to see. We've kind of glossed over how the the Lions match up against the Rams defense, but outside of Aaron Donald, I don't know if there's anything that has really stood out in my mind, which is probably owning to the idea that this is probably going to be a shootout. But I think you're right. Kyron Williams is a very interesting point. But the, the Lions are getting particular reinforcements back at the right time, right? Like Lee McNeil played in this game. C.J. Gardner-Johnson played this game. Part of that is getting them up to speed, and you just hope when Lee's up to speed, they can lean on him to be part of what made the Lions so good at stopping the run all season. And they can at least take that away. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, hard to say because he's been out in the cold so long, and this is a Lions secondary that has been just – gone through ringer after ringer after ringer of pro bowl wide receivers in like the last month or two they've they're they're hurting a little bit and now they got to handle two of them between nakua and and cooper cup that's kind of where i see the big the big challenge being because like i mean we saw it in this game against the vikings even if you get someone rammed so far back like nick mullins on a, I know it was on the TV as third and 30, but it was second and 30 and yeah. they still convert. That just shows you that you can't be comfortable from any down and distance. You have to, you have to apply the pressure. You have to make them make mistakes and you have to win the turnover margin. That's, that's ultimately what it's going to be. It's going to come down to Jared Goff protecting the football and and getting marching it down the field, controlling the tempo, and on the other end, taking the ball away prematurely. And fingers crossed, maybe maybe we get a little bit of James Houston next week as well. I think mm-hmm. that would, I mean, to, to Ryan's point, like if this team needs to be able to rush four and get pressure, James Houston on a third and eight would be a pretty big help in that aspect of the game because I don't think the Lions are very capable of, of creating a four-man rush. I don't think they did it much in this game against the Vikings and and they know that. So they they send a lot more players and like Ryan said that it's not going to be easy to confuse and rattle Matthew Stafford by sending six guys. He's tends to see that sort of stuff coming and have the 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 exact right escape plan. Right. How so I'm trying to think where we go from here looking towards this game, but like it, it's a tough matchup. But Detroit is still at home. Ultimately, they've gotten to this point where they need to be. I wouldn't let the ghosts of anyone's past scare them. We're going to try to have a longer uh, preview breakdown coming later this week for uh, for Lions Rams between the three of us. They'll serve as kind of the extended POD cast. And everything. I know a lot's riding on whether or not this season is is a success for the Detroit Lions. Looking uh, looking at whether or not they get the first playoff win in 32 years. I get that. Totally get that. On the other hand, it is a tough matchup. Nothing is given in the NFL. And this team, I think Ryan, like you look at Dan Campbell and you say, yeah, that's the te- that's. 
like who, who's been better on primetime games this season than Dan Campbell? Like that's depending on where they put him. No matter, well, you know what? No matter where they put him, that is, you know, the spotlight. And he seems to thrive pretty well when you give him the spotlight to put on a show. Yeah, we're to be clear, we're recording this before it's been officially scheduled, but there are three primetime games available. Saturday, Sunday and Monday night are all primetime slots. And I'm pretty sure at at, at risk of, of being embarrassed on Monday morning, I'm pretty sure the Lions are getting a primetime game. Please, please, no Peacock. That's all I ask. No Peacock. No Peacock. That's fair. I do find it ironic that the Lions are playing the one team in the playoffs in the NFC where it doesn't matter if they would have played on the road or at home. <laughs> right. Cause the Rams don't have home games. Right. Like it would, like, I mean, there would have been, it would have been a what? 85, 15 split. If the lions played in Los Angeles, I was Angeles. going to say, I'm pretty sure that split would have been more in favor of lions, Jeremy, than when we went to SoFi when it was about 50, 50 chargers lions yeah. fans. Like, I think that would have been a much more uh, severe lions uh, ownership there. Like even people who are wearing Stafford jerseys in this hypothetical situation are Lions fans. <laughs> like like you count towards the census in, in that in that respect. But um yeah, I, I I mean I'm really looking forward to this game. Like I'm not running from it. It's not like there's a there's an FSU that I wish could have made the playoffs instead. I you know what? Ultimately at the end of the day, and I know I'm tempting the fate a little bit by it, but I am just glad we're doing this instead of playing the Packers again. Because at least this feels interesting. No, no, I mean, like, I understand maybe you you think you match up better against it, but like, this feels more interesting. This feels more like, yeah, if we belong in the playoffs, we got to beat the Rams. And you have all these storylines attached to it and everything. It just, for me, as just the general football fan, this feels like the much better matchup I would have rather than, oh, the Lions and Packers are playing for a third time in a season. I I just don't think it's fair that the Buccaneers get to play the Eagles. I think I think if you have the highest seed, there should be a draft. So like, yes, yes, I totally agree. I I was going to bring this up earlier. Yeah, the Cowboys as the two seed should be able to pick what opponent they want out of the wildcard teams. Then the Lions go. Then the Lions get the next pick. I mean, we we still might end up with the Rams, to be completely honest. Uh, I don't know. I I think I think we would have probably taken um, who's who's actually. It'd have to be. I mean, you'd imagine the Cowboys would take the Eagles. Yeah, and that would mean, which would be wild. Which That's would wild. be wild. Go we'll, go back to the beginning of November and tell yourself that. <laughs> right. What a broken team. What a broken team. And and then you just be left with the decision we've all been debating any uh, this week, anyways, which is Packers versus Rams. And I I did slightly want the Packers because I think their defense is the worst out of probably all the playoff teams. Mm-hmm. But um, I don't think the Rams are that big of a difference because I mean, the Packers are balling out right now too. So I don't know. Uh, I, I don't love the matchup. I don't hate the matchup. It's certainly not unbeatable. I think the line still probably hold the overall advantage, but in terms of the way the teams are trending, I think this is a very, very even matchup. So it's going to be, it's going to be tight. It's going to be fun. That's what's not good. I mean, we I will be tight, be fun. <laughs> but I think it will be fun. I think it will be fun. Embrace the fun of this, Jeremy. That's all I got to say. Embrace I, the chaos. Woo, light yourself on fire, just like Dan Campbell. I just don't know if developing ulcers at my age is going to be fun because I know I'm just going to be like a ball of emotion. Like this is the biggest game of basically everyone in here's lifetime. Like 
I'll, I mean, I'm, I'm erasing the years where I was like five, six, seven years old and can't remember things like this is the biggest game of our lifetime. Like, let's not sugarcoat it. And and the good news is that there's more big games like this on the on, in, on the horizon. We, we can't we can't act like every everything about the Dan Campbell regime is going to be defined by what happens next Saturday, Sunday or Monday. But at the same time, that's what's in front of us right now. And man. Just. I can I can already feel the anxiety coursing through my veins. Well, good news for um, good news, I guess, is that I already have an anxiety disorder and probably an ulcer. Um, so like I don't have these same fears you do. I'm already here. I'm already in the pit. And um, Ryan, I'm just going to go nuts anyway. Do you know what is good news, though, to what Jeremy said? There's more big things on the horizon. Everything is not going to be decided in one playoff game or in one game, sort of like it was apparently decided for Arthur Smith, another coach who was hired during the 2021 coaching carousel. Speaking of that um, game, by the way, full circle. Shout out to our old friend, Jamal Williams. Get your touchdown, even if Dennis Allen doesn't want you to. (laughs) Salute. (laughs) I think that's a good way to end the podcast. A Jamal Williams shout out. Yeah, it's, 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 it's been like almost a year to the day where, you know, Jamal Williams maybe had his best professional game ever. Love that, man. Goodbye, everyone. We will see you next time here. We'll, uh, for myself, Christopher Fett, at Christopher Fett, at Detroit Online, at Ryan underscore POD. 12 and 5, reveling at playoffs. Here we come. We'll see you star side. <laughs>